DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with Madonna House Publications, present Season of Mercy, Lent and Easter, with Servant of God, Catherine DeHuick Doherty. Learning to Love The fall of Adam was a Felix culpa, as the Latin used to say, a happy fall, for it brought us Christ. Christ has come to take our sins away and reconcile us to his Father. We have a door, and we have a way, and if we pass through that door and we walk along that way, we shall see the Father. Christ is our brother. He is the brother of everybody, and so that makes us all brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ made us brothers and sisters of one another, and that is the tremendous essence of this thing called Christianity. We are followers of Christ baptized into his death and resurrection. We preach the gospel with our lives, or should, if we are Christian. We can also preach it with our mouth, but the best way of preaching is with our lives. What is the gospel? To love God with our whole mind, heart, and soul, and strength. To love our neighbor as ourselves. Do not forget the ourselves business You cannot love me unless you love yourself. If you despise yourself, if you do not care for yourself, you despise God's creature. You cannot love God either if you do not love yourself. To put it another way, if you cannot love God and yourself, then how can you love me, your neighbor? So please, start loving yourself. And stop feeling guilty, miserable, and unloved, because there is not a human being who is not loved. God said, if your father and mother desert you, I shall be father and mother to you. Let us face this fact, and do not let us feel that lonely. We are never alone. We are always in God. It is fantastically exciting to be in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Christ our brother, God our Father, and the Spirit moving us with his breath. All draws like a leaf in the fall, up into the sky, up into adventure, up into loving one another, guiding us with a golden thread of love. We can change the world. He said, By this you shall be known as my disciples, if you love one another as I love you. Get the picture? He wants us to love one another as he loves us. And he gave us an immense gift to do so, his grace. Why don't we start? So we say that we should love one another. Well, that is fine and dandy. But how do you love one another? Unless you share of yourself, you are not loving anybody, least of all, yourself. What I mean is this. I am kind to someone and I say, oh, I just love you. But I never tell them what is in my heart. I never share with them who I am or what I am. I do not allow them to come near me in a spiritual way. I'm not talking about sharing my sins or emotional crabbiness, no. I'm talking about that something that makes a person a friend. 
We walk as if on eggs. We are always looking at the other person saying, what is he going to think of me if I tell him this and this? Or if I tell them all that about me, well, I want the respect of my peers. When you do not share yourself, you do not share God. To proclaim God and the good news in a thousand ways against ridicule by one's own group is not easy. It is exceedingly difficult. It tears you apart. It leaves you mangled. But it has to be done. If you allow sloth to come into you, you are not going to proclaim anything. Sloth is dispensation of our energy. It is also not being able to see the whole. It is the inability to have broad vision. How many people understand sloth in this way have been given the real meaning? They think it's just laziness, whereas it is the negation of a whole vista of spiritual life into which we must enter. A vision of spiritual life is demanded, and we do not want this kind of vision that makes us change from the inside out. It is difficult and painful. It demands change. It demands letting go of security. And who wants to let go of security? We could really turn the world upside down, but we do not, because we are still being busy about ourselves. Humility is a virtue that allows people to open with one another, because the humble one has nothing to hide. So humility leads to openness. Let my life be known as it is, for whatever I have done or whatever I have been, I am a safe sinner. I have sinned many times, alas and alack, and I have this and that fault. But that is about the situation of everybody. So why hide it? There's nothing to hide. Humility is also a useful antidote for one's poor self-image. Humility takes off the mask we put on ourselves. In humility, men and women can stand before each other, before everybody, as they are. You're not going to worry if people see you as you are. That is humility, and it goes into every corner of our lives. It is not one of the super virtues like martyrdom that happened to one person in a thousand. It is a daily virtue, a very simple virtue. It walks along with us. Only to the humble does God reveal himself in the Holy Spirit. If we do not humble ourselves, we shall not see God. Humility is the light in which we may behold the light, which is God. As the psalmist says, In your light we shall see light. Now let us get down to our everyday life. Humility is truth, and the truth recognizes it very simply, if with great difficulty. There is no denying that to be humble is to almost tear oneself apart. It is, for instance, to accept true criticism of oneself with joy. Ponder Christ before Pontius Pilate, falsely accused of blasphemy by the chief priests and Pharisees. Pilate asked a lot of questions of Christ, and Christ did not answer. When Pilate said, 
I have the power to crucify you and not to crucify you. Christ answered that he really did not. You would not have no power over me at all if it had not been given you from above. John chapter 19, verses 10 and 11. Nevertheless, Christ accepted that he would be crucified. How do we deal with being falsely accused? I can simply say that if the person really knew me, they would see true faults to accuse me of. Therefore, there must be in our hearts a knowledge that accusations usually fall short of who we really are. Why is it that humble people do not justify themselves? Because Christ did not justify himself. It is so very dark where Jesus sits. You stand at the edge of humility. You look down, and it is bleak and black and difficult to move into. There are no stairways, only a ladder in that virtue. But humility is a strange virtue. As you go into it, it strips you down, and it washes you clean. When you emerge at some other side, you are another person. In Lent, it is the humiliati, as I call them, who show us what true humility is. We should ask God about them. There are amongst us many persons who are lowly and whom God seemingly has chosen to be overlooked, neglected, passed by. With a little nod of our head, we sometimes offer them a few alms of words when we are not too busy. But these people are blessings when they pass through our lives. We should seek out the shy ones, the meek, the ones that are frightened by life, the ones that have been beaten down by life. For this is a true approach to Lent. Not only to fast, but to humble yourself, to know what humility is, to accept truth, which means to accept every pain that comes your way and to forgive each nail of the hobnail boot that might crush you. We need to drop all desires for others' approval because the God we've had no approval. There he is, crucified, the consequence of the disapproval of man. That is what man did to his God. Are we going to repeat this crucifixion by our own picky own little worries about being approved by somebody? Lent is a time to drop such things. Who wants to be approved? The one who does not want to follow Christ. The ones who want the approval of people. People who are really unimportant. Lent is the time of renewal and repentance. Is it the time to have a wrong image of yourself? You are the image of God. And if you have a poor image of yourself, then you desecrate his image. That is not how one wants to walk through Lent. What did Christ take away from us on the cross? Our shame. He has taken our sins away. Mine, yours, and those of generations to come. By his crucifixion and resurrection, God has taken away everyone's sin. Most of our sins, strange as this might seem, come from the fact that we do not love ourselves. We do not love ourselves when we do not realize that we are creatures of God who came from his hands. 
we do not enter into the orbit of God. A Christian puts his hand in Christ's hand, walks in step with him, and thus does the will of the Father. When I do not love myself and therefore cannot love humanity, my brother, I do the opposite of God's will. I do my will. And in doing my will, make myself an idol before which I stand and worship. We have to begin seriously to think about truly loving ourselves. It is so intensely important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The shame of sin, which God took away from us, stems in many ways from the fact that we refuse to love ourselves. When you have accepted yourself, you will be free because when you accept yourself, you accept Jesus Christ. I think the greatest work that we have to do in this civilization is to accept ourselves as lovable. You've been listening to an excerpt from Servant of God, Catherine DeHuick Doherty's Season of Mercy, Lent and Easter. This is a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with Madonna House Publications. For more episodes in this series, visit discerninghearts.com or you can find it in our free Discerning Hearts app or on many streaming platforms. Discerning Hearts is a 501c3 nonprofit Catholic apostolate dedicated to evangelization and spiritual formation through the use of new media. To learn how you can support our mission, visit discerninghearts.com.